Hello and welcome to episode five of Euphoria. I am your host this week. I almost said Daniel Dracos, Dracos, <laughs> but it's actually Froskira and Dracos unfortunately is sick. But we have this lovely guest, Shox. And Shox, I actually feel like I'm almost interviewing you for the host position. Yeah. I was like, oh yes, an hour long interview with Shox. Here we go. I do have a couple of housekeeping things to get out of the way though. You can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. We're now on Spotify. We're bigger than the dog. Impressive. Yeah. I know, right? Real impressive. And for anyone who is watching this on YouTube, you can follow the timestamps in the description below. Yeah, I think I got everything out of the way. I think you got everything out of the way. I mean, I'm of course not the host of Euphoria. That's actually Daniel Drakos, but he's not here. So I this know. is actually quite weird, isn't it? Uh, I actually don't think that I've gotten like a long sit down chat with you. Like we've yeah. worked a couple of events and like have never mm-hmm. really over. I mean, we've been in a bunch of green rooms together. But yeah. That's about it. Yeah. But there it's mostly shenanigans. I mean, don't get any ideas uh, there. It's mostly you're getting ready for the show. And, you know, there's not really time to get everyone's doing it. their job. Exactly. Exactly. Except for Kobe. He's usually taking a nap or something. He does sleep yeah. a lot in like weird places mm-hmm. and positions. Um, no offense. So like, people are getting the wrong idea what happens in our green rooms. That's no, fine. That's fine. I do have to do a quick recap of LEC. Yeah. Um, so we had three major things happen. Misfits lost to Splice. Uh, Vitality lost to G2. And Shelka lost to Origin. I feel like I should say something good. So I'm going to yeah. say G2 still undefeated. You're like, these are the three negative <laughs> things that happened this weekend. Uh, but G2 is still undefeated indeed. Uh, and things, like, they're very exciting. Um was against Fnatic as well. And I think we didn't give as much weight to it. And also, that's, I mean, we shouldn't have. Also, just because Fnatic is, you know, not doing so well. I'm calling it the Fnatic effect or the Fnatic boosting service. The Fnatic boosting service, well, the yeah. fastest game. Well, the thing is, is that they, like, they boosted so many teams up the standings because yeah. people, like, took down Fnatic without realizing how, yeah. you know, poor or poor Fnatic were performing right now. I was going to say poor or good. And I was like, uh. Um, and it just boosted, like, SK. Suddenly they but beat Fnatic. Is and it like, really a good boosting team. if Fnatic doesn't end up climbing the standings? No, then it's just winning a game, right? So True. It's just you've earned your spot. Congratulations. No, just kidding. We'll see. Uh, but Perk said in post-game lobby, he said, it's been two years and something uh, since I beat Reckless, since I beat Martin, and now I got to beat him in his lane whilst I'm back on top. I th- that's that's awesome. That's a superhero story to Look me. at these skills. You just quoted an interview from like two weeks ago from memory. Doesn't it was even, Sunday. Doesn't even have a piece of paper. <laughs> it was Sunday. I mean, I watch you guys like a hawk. I hope you know that. <laughs> you do your job? No. Yeah. Um, what, perfect segue. Yeah. It's very strange, this dynamic of being on like the other end of the microphone as the host, because I can almost like feel this like push and pull in terms I want to ask like, a question. <laughs> you're very like steering and directing. I don't know. It's just, uh, well, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, whoa, shocks is very powerful on the microphone right now. No, it's fine. Um, I did want to ask you and kind of like open up this conversation because I feel like you're such a uh, legacy staple. I know that when I got the invitation to come over to the EULCS, now the LEC, I was yeah. like, oh, damn, you know, how do you pass up the opportunity to work with one of the best color casters in the world in Martin, one of the best play-by-play casters in the world in Deficio, or... <laughs> quick shot. <laughs> quick shot. <laughs> Sometimes Deficio. Sometimes Deficio, and um, one of the biggest, most established brands in hosting League of Legends in general in Shock. So Thank you. I know and Vettius. <laughs> and Vettius. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's very sweet. That's also a lot of praise. I don't know if it's a bad thing that other people's monikers are best color caster and best play-by-play caster and mine is best friend or it's biggest like, friend. But yeah, it's like, um, I mean, calling you a host, I think is too, mm, from my perspective, a bit too shallow in yeah. terms of the the uh power of your influence over things and no one really knows what like an influencer is yeah. i know that like your your role is like interview and host but these are also very different skill sets when you do swap into both roles mm-hmm. and people then just think that as a host you just sit down at the desk and you're like well this is you know what the entire team came up with and there is like team collaboration but the host has so much more control the and input, more drive yeah. about like what you want your segment to look like. So many times you'll turn and be like, okay, what are we talking about? How is it going to go? Well, before, Where is the I going? used to get annoyed by that a little bit because people, and I'm not saying that hosts should get more praise or whatever, but um, it's always like, oh, I guess the color casters do all the work and then the play-by-plays just kind of shout and then the hosts are there to introduce you and tell you when the show's starting. Uh, but of course, everyone does so much. And especially as a host, I think um, Daniel Drakos will also tell you this, that when you are in the show in the host position, there's so much to be done constantly because uh, you're kind of the main contact point also with the production behind the scenes about literally anything. This is, oh, 
the color casters want this replay or whatever, and you know, I want to have them sit down and be able to watch the game in peace. So I'm going to make notes from what they say and ask them a couple of questions. But I'll go ahead and then request what I need to. Observing us like we're in a zoo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you know someone gets here. sick or has to go to the bathroom, I have to tell people that as well. Um, no, well, there's just a lot to do, and it's one of the most intense roles I think, especially at events. And um, I'm sure Dash would say this as well. For something like Worlds or MSI, they are the people who are there the first and always need to do the entire read through of the entire show as where color casters you know pick and choose some of their games not pick and choose you guys have to do a lot obviously but um you know it's always the whole show and the whole pgl and the whole meeting after and everything so it's pretty intense but that's also what i love about it. it's like you feel like you have a hand in everything and you can really put your stamp and put your mark on uh, the show so in terms of like the history uh, and longevity of your career, because again, it feels like everyone who watches Europe knows who you are. Can yeah. you do like kind of like a brief elevator speech, if you will? Yeah, um, uh, about, I can. Yeah. Because it's it's weird. It's almost like people, a lot of new people have come in in the they last couple of years. They just have no idea where you came from. They're just yeah. like, she's always been here. Who is that? Uh, you know, and I think we, we kind of all deal with that. But, you know, it's my seventh year now. So I started in, I got out of university at 24. Um what you major in? I know, but I'll yeah. ask. <laughs> I have a master's in history and a master's in journalism and a teacher's degree, which is maybe why I do so well in interviews. <laughs> Who knows? I never thought about it. Uh, when I got out of university, I started playing League of Legends and um, I started watching Twitch. I saw tournaments and I was like, this is so cool. I love traditional sports also. I always have. And I thought this is like sports to me. I'm playing this game and these guys are so good and they're winning and they're doing interviews. I want to write about it. I applied to SK Gaming. I got a position as editor. I became the editor in chief after a while um, for all of the esports uh, that were on the website. And then they asked me to be on camera and I said, what the hell? No, <laughs> this is, this was, I'm, I'm not the same person I was back then. You Why'd know? you say no? I just, I didn't like being in the center of attention. Um, I tried it a couple of times with some instances in my life and it was just not something that I loved. I had no idea how to be on camera either, but um, I was also one of the only girls in the writing group back then. Um, and I guess they thought, let's ask the girl. And, um, but I don't want to like sell them short because people there like Alex had a lot of trust in me also and I obviously did a good job but is it you know. interesting though like the word choice because yeah. you, you back up and you say I didn't want to sell them short you didn't say I don't want to sell myself short yeah it's interesting you just talked about you like I have a master's in journalism yeah and in history yeah. I was then like writing it's for so full weird. time you just and your first reaction wasn't like Oh, yeah, I totally deserve that. And I should have okay, been. Okay, so let me, yeah, you're right. It's kind of this whole mental, um, like, thought process about it. I just thought, okay, for someone to be on camera in esports and in this beginning scene of League of Legends, there aren't too many girls. So I guess they just asked me because of that. But in retrospect, you are actually right. Most likely, and hopefully, it also had something to do with um, what I had shown so far. I mean, hindsight's pretty easy at this point, Shock, Yeah, because you're wasn't like then. host of one of the biggest leagues in the world. Yeah. You've done so many different... My diligence, right? Massive events, like you've been multiple titles, mm -hmm. which is actually fairly rare for a lot of League of Legends people. I yeah. think a majority of us well, have I haven't done another game in so long, though. So, <laughs> well. well how, how's freelance work? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe uh, something's in the works. Uh, no. But yeah, and then I started. I had a Handicam that they gave me, and I just went to DreamHack in June, DreamHack uh, shipping, I believe it was, and I was like starstruck by everyone. It's like, oh my God, Frog, and oh my God, Stupe. Oh my God, these guys, uh, I have to interview them. I botched it so hard a couple of times. Thank God they were all very, very nice. Uh, it was really those instances of, I have one shot. Hi, and then I had to do the interview again or whatever, uh, but it turned out fine in the end. Kind of uh, tunneling in on this idea of like interviewing because yeah. um, you actually gave a really good interview a couple of years ago after you had, uh, I actually don't know if you said it in an interview or maybe you said it backstage. I'm trying to remember. I think oh, I was actually careful there. where you go for I know, right? <laughs> but you were talking about after the Dyrus interview yeah. and um, I think the, the moment that came to everyone is Shox is so talented here because she was able to just let that moment breathe. Whereas I think you said before you would have tried to crowd it to fix yeah. it and correct it. And you had learned through your years of experience as an interviewer to when to take a step back and when to stay, take a step forward. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting because this is something I think about quite often uh, because I think it's something that uh, goes throughout my style of hosting and interviewing. I've 
like in the beginning, I think things have changed now because in the beginning, things were also really about you don't matter at all. It's all about the player. Mm -hmm. I think over the years, um, things have changed a bit in that casters do matter and caster personality should be big and people are also looking at them. But in the beginning, it was all like, all right, let's make the player the centerpiece of attention at all time. But um, it's also also about you know, how you speak to them. And that is about you. But there is one thing that I didn't want to do at that point that is cry. And this has nothing to do with like, oh, like women cry or whatever. Of course, that went through my mind. But I was like, I don't want to be the person that cries and bawls in this moment. I want it to be all about Dyrus. Mm -hmm. And the best way I can do that is by almost saying nothing at all, but showing empathy without crying, which is like the hardest thing, uh, most likely. But um, a lot of people have misconceptions because I often see people still talk about that. And I often see, well, yeah, it was, maybe it was impressive. And that's so typical because... Don't I was say, crying. Yeah, uh, I was like watching that through a screen. I was like, oh no. Maybe that was impressive, but she knew this like days ahead and production per- like helped her prepare all this and blah, blah, blah. And well, the truth of the matter is we did know, but we only knew at the beginning of the game they were playing to their last game, most likely. Actually, I think it was mathematically sure that this would be, they would be knocked out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got at the beginning of the game, kind of a note of the producers that was, Hey, Dyrus is willing to be on broadcast and just say that he is going to retire and that this has been his last professional game and this and that. And in that moment for uh, I think everything changed after that because I became a lot more sure in myself as well. But I was just like, I'm gonna botch this. Like, what am I gonna do? You had but, like a whole 30 minutes to just like yeah, sit there with like, sit oh there my and be God. like, and I think the only thing I ended up double checking because at the end of the day, we know their history. Yep. You know, we read, we watch these people all the time for years. You know, the streams of Dyrus, all the interviews he's given, everything. And the for only thing I believe I checked was to make sure that I knew how many NALCS titles he had and how many times he went to Worlds. You're on, like, WikiLeaks? Yeah, like, no, well, we obviously have production. people, right? Because um, I'm talking to some of the producers as well, and they also just told me, just be yourself, you know? Let's see what he wants to say. And that's how I went into that. I was just like, hey, what do you want to say? How, how does this feel? And then, of course, it became very emotional. But, um, yeah, that's, I, that's, I think of that very fondly every, like, every probably a couple of weeks. I was casting a game. Um, it was IMA versus Team WE for 2016. Most people don't remember IMA, but IMA I did. I do. Because <laughs> you're very good at your job. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. Most people don't remember IMA. Yeah. They went to Worlds in 2016. Um, and uh, that game, it was crazy because there was a, a huge moment where Team WE were like the heavy favorites. Everyone yeah. was a World Elite fan. So we're in this And massive... IMA kind of like hobbled their way into Worlds, right? The, they had been kind of like sitting mid-tier in the standings and then they literally made a Cinderella run where they beat yeah. uh, Team WE in two best of fives, one in the third place match and then one through the regional qualifier to take the last spot. And there was a guy named Amazing Jay who used to be the top laner for Edward Gaming. He got benched. He wasn't like his story was just so compelling. And he promoted a team from Challenger back into pro and then ran them all the way to Worlds in a single split, which we've seen a couple of teams do. But uh, in a arena that was probably 17,000 people who were hardcore World Elite fans um, to see amazing jay win the game he started bawling there's a really famous photograph where he's just like tears are running down his face he like runs he jumps into his coach's arms they take a standing ovation and bow around a four because it was a, a center stage i saw the uh, the vod yeah I, and i heard you i cried <laughs> during that vod and i yeah. remember thinking the exact same thing yeah. i was like don't cry why is that don't ruin his moment because I, I didn't want to ruin his moment yeah. but i was just like because uh, re-watching it, I always think back to myself, was it the right decision? Because I actually cut myself off and I yeah. point at Rusty. Because what's happening off cast that you can't see is I'm pointing at Rusty because I'm like, like wiping my face and yeah. like trying to get it together and like pinching my nose bridge. And I'm thinking, you know, I almost think I, I would have should have said more because I think that that emotion in that moment hopefully would have been able to carry to the audience yeah. of like how big it was, especially for like a hardcore uh, AJ fan because it was just like it was so emotional and also just for the LPL it was a big it's like those moments that I mean I had it at Worlds last year and I did not see it coming but um, you know I arrived in Korea uh, and I didn't have to interview yet Avali was doing the interview so I was watching from the hotel because I just flew in and then Vitality does all these crazy things and Beats I was just RNG. like bawling my eyes out and stuff like that and it was weird because on Instagram I did post it mm-hmm. 
that I was so emotional and what stuff. What was the but, perception? Uh, and people were like, oh, look how excited she is or how happy she is. This is great. And then there was a lot of, well, biased or whatever, because... It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Kobe cried. Yeah. And he's that, that famous moment when Cloud9... Um, is it Cloud9? Yeah. CLG and MSI as well. Yeah. Oh, oh CLG and MSI. Yeah. But the, the most recent one was yeah, the, the Cloud9 one. And the, the sentiment was, and not saying that, that this is the disparity between men and women, but no. it's just very interesting in that, you know, there's uh, multiple instances of like how to approach emotion. And, yeah. you know, Kobe himself also like took a step back. I think the camera's on him, like takes his glasses yeah. off and like dots his eye and then puts them back on and like tries to like clean himself up. Uh-huh. But I mean, yeah, it shouldn't be. And I won't say that it, it never crosses my mind. It definitely does because there are going to be those people that say, oh, look at that woman crying or whatever. But I don't care about them in the end. Like, I care more about the moment and approaching it from, like, an objective and journalistic angle. But in that, I think it's fine. We're allowed to be emotional about these things like Kobe is when C9 does it. Like, I cried almost when I did the interview with Yamato and these guys are doing something that's larger than life and you talk to them in your case, you follow them for years and years and then you see this team being upset and these guys doing something that you never expected was possible, you know? I think we can have all the emotions we want and if there's then a couple of people that say biased, we know that's not the case. Um, and it's only a normal reaction and we shouldn't be robots. It's also in the sense of, you know, when bias can be powerful. Yeah. And um, so, so much of the fact is that bias is a, an umbrella term for just like everything negative and people just like throw it around all these casts of bias. Da, 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 da. Mm. But like at the end of the day, without bias, you don't get those moments. You yeah. don't get Kobe having this revelation when Cloud9 win, like a guy who's spent m almost his entire adult life yeah. like behind these guys. And the fact of the matter is, is like why we... It's so strange. Esports is an industry because there's so few people who have moved horizontally from um, traditional mainstream. I mean, you're actually probably super rare in the sense that you have at least like a journalist background yeah. to then go into interviewing because most casters are like, <laughs> I studied psychology. Let me ask you. Let me. Oh, you did. No, well, that's, that's all, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but That would have also been helpful. Um, let me ask you because it's this debate also where people are like, well, you guys are casters or hosts or analysts or interviewers or whatever. You have nothing to do with journalism. And I'm like, that's not true. There are definitely a lot of qualities that have to be used in all of these situations, um, you know, from the way you use your source material, material to the way you speak, to the way you ask your questions, to the way you're objective in the right moments, you know, handling the bias and, and the awareness of it and everything. And I sometimes think people are being undersold. And of course, we're not investigated journalists or journalists in that sense of the word but to say that we don't deal with any of these issues i think is a load of crap you know it, it we're constantly theatering on that line of you know messaging and and i don't know broadcasting of course and and getting the right things out there and trying to get the most honest and fair things out there and being critical in the right moments so how many times do we have to have a discussion in like story meets of are we being too hard on these yeah. guys are we not being hard enough what's the type of messaging every that time, we want to go every time and we can't just like sit up there this last Fnatic game, Fnatic yeah. locked in that draft. And I think what I exactly said was, what a dated draft and meta read from Fnatic. Yeah. And internally, I'm thinking, like, what is this draft? But on mic... You're like, how can I say this? I can't I can't just be like, Orn, Thresh in the same rotation. That seems like a waste. And people be like, oh, why don't you do that? Well, because A, Fnatic are a massive brand. Yeah. B, I spend, I go and when I go and get meals, I'm eating meals next to the players. When I go and get makeup, I'm eating, uh, I'm getting makeup next to the players. When I was hyper nervous at the world's finalist stage and I was like falling down, reckless, took his time, turned, it was like, are you okay? <laughs> like, I see that these guys are more than just, you know, I what work with them. What you see on stage, yeah. And it's like, uh, their brand is just as important as like my credibility as an analyst. And that yeah. doesn't mean that I ever want to sacrifice that, but you have to find that do you think you did in that moment? No, because I thought I was very, like, I thought I was very fair in what I said because I was still saying what the draft's problems were. But yeah. I also think it's super easy for a coach to get off stage. Like, for all we know, you put it, uh, a microphone in Young Buck's face and Joey says something like, you know, we knew exactly what they were going to draft. We got exactly what we want and yeah. we're comfortable now. It's just about execution. Yeah. And frankly, like, no matter what my opinions are, which I did say on cast, you know, that's a bold move, Cotton, trying to... Uh, outlast G2's like first 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, you did say that. Like that's not a strategy that I would take, but I'm not going to sit there and be like, well, that's a sh
idea, fanatic? Yeah. Like, what are you? And is it a thing or two has to do also with the fact that um, it is still fanatic? And I don't mean that in fanatic as a brand. Of course, that always plays with it. But it is but four out of five guys who went to the you world. You default finals. to trust. Yes, you default to trust in that case. And I think, um, I mean, I had an interesting. I think I, I believe I didn't vote for fanatic, and usually I do because of that especially last year, but then it was easy because they were winning all the time. And now I still default to that trust. And I think maybe that's also a problem they have because they are still defaulting to that trust. Like, and Brock's also said it on stream, we are the same people. We yep. didn't lose anything necessarily in skill. We, nothing really should have changed, but in a way everything has changed and it's coming to terms with that and not doing those drafts anymore. And I think they also came out and said that, you know, uh, Reckless also on stream and just, yeah, first fix those drafts and then go from there, I guess. Um, I don't know. I have, I don't really see them necessarily ending in the top three or top four at all, but I also don't think that's the worst thing in the world with the pedigree of that organization. I mean, look at G2. They weren't there for two years, right? I mean, they did great at Worlds, yep. but that took um, a while before they got back on top, you know, so. Yeah, the default to thrust that yeah. they'd come back. Yeah, but they're scary. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but I just always think it, it, it's very interesting. Um, not a lot of time esports has kind of like the, you know, like in the Wizard of Oz when you like pull back the curtain and you see the yeah. guy like standing. Yeah. It's really hard for the audience to get that like full perspective, not just on what the teams are doing, but also what's happening behind stage with us. They're real people. Yeah. Uh, we're real people, Sean. Yeah, we're real people too. Uh, this is, I always default to it's all about the players, it's not about us, but goddamn, it is about us sometimes for us, Karen. Oh, I think it's, I think. <laughs> Can I swear on this podcast? <laughs> We can't say the F word. The F ah. word is replaced by fiddlesticks. Ah. Yeah. So if you go for that I one. I don't usually say that word. I, I have a really bad problem. Yeah. I you swear a lot? I, I don't even realize that I swear a lot. That's the problem. Yeah. But for some reason, I haven't done it on cast yet. No, it's because you have that. I definitely step into a zone. You oh, yeah. Have we seen... have like a different voice, too. Yeah, and you're like, different it's hosting voice. voice. I don't even know if this is the same. Because like if I would say welcome to the LEC, I'd be like, welcome everyone to the LEC. It's like, who is this person? It's funny because you've like tapped into it twice during just this like I sit did? down, which is why. Because I told you, I like sat down. I was like, okay, I'm gonna be the host, and then Shocks like started you you started uh, using your hosting voice. I was like, uh oh, Shocks is oh, gonna no, be the I'm host. Oh no, I'm in hosting mode. Oh no. Uh, but it is that there is that zone right that you step into, and I swear like a sailor in my. Uh, that's what they say, right? In my, in my normal life, to the point where I sometimes think. What is this? And I almost feel like it's a counter reaction to on air. We're Being always so, like, squeaking clean. Up. Yeah, buttoned up. And that's not a bad thing at all because I think if you say fiddlesticks, fiddlesticks, fiddlesticks seven times, uh, that just also takes away from your point. That's also, by the way, something we tell the players because there's often this misconception that people are like, wow, Riot must have tapped him on the fingers because he swore in no. an interview. No, that's not we true. Laugh. That's not true. We laugh. And what we do tell them is, hey, we're not trying to cramp your style in any way. Please talk the way you would talk if, you know, and how you can convey your point at best. But just know that if you do say fiddlesticks seven <laughs> times, that might take away from your point. You yeah. know, that's all. So in, uh, in terms of branding, because we actually at Riot, um, I helped out this last time. We give a seminar to the players about yeah. like power of brand and oh, how I we can assist them. I did help out with that a couple of times as well. I would imagine. You did it. I helped too. <laughs> I actually used your uh, brand as an example in my uh, my presentation. Great. Selfies oh, every day. Nailed it. Um, I wanted to quickly kind of, because I get questions all the time about, you know, how do you leverage into esports? How do you get into esports? Yeah. How do you get involved? And I think brand is such an important currency. Um, looking at your brand, I think outside of maybe four players, you probably have the largest brand in League of Legends. Yeah, uh, I think so. Uh, well, it sounds stupid when I say it like that, but I think it's the biggest out of the casters and I think out of a, a lot of esports as well. Um, there are some guys from Call of Duty and stuff that have a huge brand as well. Uh, but I think across that, I'm, I'm doing very well. Um, and I don't know. What's the power of brand? Why is it? Well, why it's is incredibly it important? important when you have it. And I also not come to think of it. I always have a very, very hard time with the question, what should I do to get into esports like you? Because I think things have changed also. And I grinded and I didn't earn money for the longest time. And that's not a good thing. And you right? never want to tell people to be like, go work 24 yeah. gigs without getting paid without once. Getting paid. And then, no, you shouldn't do that. But on the other hand, it's really hard. But I think in a way there's like a new portal that is opened because it, you do see people going viral on social media because, you know, they make 
short Twitter clips about a certain gameplay interaction or to have funny commentary or Captain Flowers who casted, who was picked off basically from Twitch to casting the world final. Um, so, but you have to be distinctive and you have to have something, you know, different about yourself. And it's really hard because when I look at myself, I'm like, but what is it? I don't know. Uh, I think maybe it's that I've always been myself. And I think casters nowadays, they... Uh, I mean, myself on social media, something that you wouldn't see on broadcast. Yep. And I think casters nowadays, I found that much more important. I think Vettius is a shining example of he just, you know, he, he makes his Instagram videos and he shows who he is behind the camera and he shows his funny side and not everything that can always. I mean, he did just do flexius, but you know what I mean? And I did that from the beginning, from when I had like 10 followers, I would make a silly video or I would do this or that. Is um, there so. a turning point when it goes from like... Um because I know Vettius is struggling with this right now, that, yeah. that fine line between, like, cringe and yeah. um, humor mm -hmm. and, like, writing that into a brand and a personality and a package and an expectation. Yeah. Did you ever find that, that while you were in, your, like, the early days of your dolphin impressions, <laughs> that they weren't well received well, no, now they land every if time? If there's not a, peop a lot of people that follow you, you'll probably say the same thing. Then you can do no wrong because out of 10, there will only be one that says you're cringe. Now, if there's 10,000, <laughs> then there's a lot. So I think more than changing my style, I the more followers that came around and the more viewers also League had because that also went into the millions all of a sudden, right? Um, that I've just had to get more aware of there's going to be more people slinging, you know. What are you going to call it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, at you, than the rest. Um, the good outweighs the bad, always. But the bad is so much more vile, especially if you're a woman. Um, so it becomes hard to ignore. It was almost by fate that, because Daniel was supposed to be here, Yamato was supposed to be here, uh, illness struck, uh, and it was just kind of like the stars aligned yeah. where suddenly now it's like you and I. And I looked at Daniel's script and this was supposed to be like, let's do a mid-season power ranking. Let's talk about vitality. Oh, we could still do that. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's build a super team. And while I think all that content's great, I was like, I threw it all out. I looked at the producer. I was like, Phil, <laughs> do you trust me right now? <laughs> Imagine there's not people watching and halfway in they're like, oh, we're not hearing about the super team. Maybe that's the one we should do because I did <laughs> think about that. They, 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 they're like, oh man, if, if I can't have Caps, Yankos, Mickey and yeah. Perks and wonder all on the same team then what oh wait <laughs> but um yeah. at some point i wanted to ask what is it like being a woman and i think that um or a woman in esports and you just talked about kind of some of the the backlash or that line that you ride yeah. in, in social media so when you talk about it being so much worse because i think a lot of uh people will will say back you know everyone gets hate on the yeah, internet they do i will never say that is not true and it's i was thinking about this the other day because i you know, I'm on YouTube now, youtube.com slash shocks. Um, <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> youtube.com slash shocks. Anyway, uh, there's, those are things that also people want to know about. But I find myself, Frosk, and you have to say if you have the same thing, very often starting a point, then stopping the point and saying, and just as a disclaimer, <laughs> I'm not saying that everyone doesn't deal with hate or I'm not saying that everyone doesn't deal with this or I'm not, oh my God. And I like, I make myself sick that sometimes I'm like, no, just say your opinion. It is hard. It is harder as a woman and you get scrutinized harder for things that men don't get scrutinized for. And it doesn't mean that a man might not get insanely scrutinized as well for other things, but there are definitely pockets of things that are so hard for us one thing that I had when I started out very often were comments like, how did she get that job at the, at the top of SK Gaming? She must have slept with X or Y. And then there's these pockets of people that then kind of are like, oh yeah, this is the opinion I want to see. And then they keep propagating that and like they keep posting it. And there's entire groups of people on Twitter and Reddit that are out just to say those things. Um, the exceptional scrutiny of what you look like at yep. any point in time. Um, I just had a whole thread just nuked over a recent interview that I did. It's just like questions uh, talking about like my sexuality. It's like delete, 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 How, delete, yeah, delete. Yeah, yeah, gone, 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 yeah. gone. I'm like, oh, I wonder what, oh, yep, okay. Oh, that's what that was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, and then people say, yeah, but people also say that X and Y is dressed like, is not dressed well or that happens or it happens. Yes, but that's not the point. The point is that it happens much more with us. And the point is that it also bleeds through. Um, sadly, into things that aren't Reddit. And I've had occasions where I met people from the industry, professionals that should know what they are talking about, that shake my hand and say, do you even play video games? And that 
still happens, you know, and that just baffles me. And that is not going to just, that's not going to happen every time if you're a man. And for some men, it is never going to happen. So, yeah. I think um, I had a really good uh, discussion with Vettius, actually, because yeah. I actually think he's kind of one of the few casters, or at least some of our, our male peers, that could identify with the whole... Um, perception that when the camera turns on that there is an expectation that you must look a certain way as a as a woman yeah and i think vettius gets a lot of flack because he is a skinny lanky true nerd like that <laughs> vettius <laughs> that's who, who yeah. he is and now he owns it yeah. but there was a long time when vettius was just and still is just gets like a lot of shit for it but again if you think about all of the casters in yeah. our industry how rare it is for it to fall on uh, uh, uh one of the male peers versus anytime you open up a thread about Ovali. Or a Twitch chat. Or Twitch, oh my God. About Ovali, you, me, Laurel, like. Everything. It's, it's like just, 90% dominated. Yeah, it's 90%. And the the worst thing about it, or the sad thing about it is that, and then when it's not about what we look like, the misogyny sometimes bleeds through in the honest comments about our work. And I've had so many times that I read too much stuff and it upsets me often, so I shouldn't, but I still do. And you had those times where you open like a string of comments and it's like something like she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. She's only here because X, Y, and Z. And then you click on that action, person. Yes. Diversity. Yeah. They can't fire the gay person. Uh, That's been said to me multiple times. But to me, it's also, oh, you know, what has she ever done? She doesn't know what she's talking about and everyone else does. She doesn't do any prep, whatever. And then you click on it and this person has 200 comments and they're all about us. And... I mean, that should make it easier to discern, but it sometimes just makes me really angry. So what do you do when someone then goes, well, shocks, you know, ignore it, like move away from it? I don't agree with that necessarily. And I've said this a lot of times and I, well, there's two sides to it. The one side is I think we're public figures and we are in this position and, um, you know, people say, well, you're a public figure. And it, like, I didn't set out 10 years ago to be a public figure. That was not something I thought about. That is just something that happened, but that doesn't mean it's not way it is it is the way it is right there's a lot of people that want to tell us a lot of things mm -hmm. fine um but i think we should be we should i went to therapy for having for dealing with a lot of these things for I'm instance in therapy right now for it exactly i should go back uh, because jesus christ <laughs> no um i think you know you need to equip yourself and know that you are a target and i think that comes with the territory but i do not believe in ignoring everything and not setting an example at times and people say why are you giving this person a platform and i was like i don't care because his or her life is still that he has to tweet something like that, I'm sorry, um, tweet something like that, something this awful, something so vile, but I am going to make an example about, of it because I don't want to shame this person and often I blur out the names as well or whatever. But I want to say this is what happens and it shouldn't and this is how, it, like this, this should not happen and this is wrong. And I think if I even changed one person's mind, then that makes sense. But I'm not gonna sit here and let it wash over me all the time. Yep. And I'm a pretty positive and upbeat person and I think you are more, you go in much more, right? You quote them a lot. And you're like, you, screw you. Like, I just, because I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I think that um, the age-old mentality of, of don't feed the trolls is yeah. a bit outdated. It I is. think for, um, it depends on what scale you're on. If you're on like a massive corporation scale and you're dealing with PR to the size of like a, a, a major I mean, company, <laughs> a major company, yeah. then that can be a much more valid uh, uh, strategy. But yep. when you are dealing with personal and professional brands, social media has evolved to such an extent so quickly that the line between personal and professional, especially in our industry or tech industries in general, is so very thin. Yeah. And I've had so many conversations with either peers or um, you know people in the amateur scene or people aspiring to get into this industry that have dealt with, even a, in a very limited base, like, oh, you know, I just started streaming, I had like 50 streamers, and now I have like five stalkers. Yeah. And I, you know, they found my, my Instagram, they, they found my, yeah. uh, my Facebook, they doxed me. And it's just, it is such a prevalent problem and the age old mentality of like, just ignore it doesn't work because no. even no matter what scale, especially if you're on the bottom end of the scale where you're just starting to start and, and start snowballing up, you can't walk away from no. your biggest purchasing power, which is your brand. Exactly. And the only way to increase that is the, the social media footprint. So, uh, how you deal with it then you talked about like building up strategies, whether that's going to therapy and finding, you know, like coping mechanisms yeah. on how to separate work-life balance or 
blurring out their names and saying, or, or diversify, not diversifying, but like saying this is a, a problem. We need to not normalize this behavior. Yes. When you see this, you need to call it out. Or in my case, where you just like say that to my fiddlesticks face <laughs> we i think it's like two women and we've sworn more than any of the guys combined ever on this podcast we're doing well no i totally agree uh but y you said it so perfectly that don't feed the, the trolls thing that is outdated i think we have and that's always the question right what kind of responsibility do we have in anything and some people say nothing i'm just here to um cast or whatever and i i think that's fine that's your opinion. And I struggle with that very often because I often think, should I be doing more? And what can I do? Um, but the, I'm definitely not going to let them walk all over me. And I think what, I mean, what works really well for us and I hope for you as well is that, you know, when you read something like that and you look back and then you look back and you're like, that is not going to make me doubt what I have shown so far. But it is frustrating that it's my seventh year and I still deal with things like this. You're as long, I think, seven, six years almost, uh, and you still get things like this. And I can only imagine what people like Law and stuff are going through uh, because they just get the brunt of it. At least we started, and it started out being small, and it grew so we could every step evaluate again. Okay, more people are here watching, so there's got to be more of that noise, right? Um, but for new women coming in, uh, and I think that also works generally for anyone coming in, but especially uh, new women coming in, it's just, it's very, very difficult. And there's just a lot of vitriol and it is very hard to navigate early on because you are looking for people to, they are the viewers and they are the most important thing. So you have to please them, you know, they have to be happy with what is shown to them. And... Uh, it might not be completely their cup of tea, but uh, a lot of people just, oh my gosh. I was having this discussion yesterday with one of our producers, or the other day, where, because yeah. that statement, you know, they are the viewers, and I agree, the audience is so important. Yeah. And how many times in conversations that we're like, well, what do the fans want? What does the audience want? What are they thinking? What do they feel? Because we don't want to be disconnected from them. Um, but my producer asked me, he's like, you know, why, why are you in this industry? Why do you like doing what you do? And, and he said, is it for the audience? I said, like, fiddlesticks? No, it's not for the audience. <laughs> like, as much as um, some of the interactions that I've had with the community are good, so many of them have been awful. And yeah. the real reason why I love doing what I do is because I love the player stories. Because yeah. when I see AJ win, I have an emotional reaction to cry. When I see, um, like, Vitality take down RNG and you just see how happy Jazuke is, I have that, like, yes! yes. <laughs> I think when I saw well, in, in the cast... like it. <laughs> In the cast, when Vitality were playing G2 and Mowgli gets that first gank yep. off with the axe hits, you literally hear me on the cast yell, yes! Because yes. I was just like, oh, oh my God. What you're saying is you're a Vitality fan. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was just, even if G2 takes someone down, because I love Wonder, used to coach him, um, big fan, like, I just have this emotional reaction to the players. And when it always, like, people ask me, like, why did you get why do you love esports i love the players yeah. i love um telling their stories and how crazy and the, the legacy the longevity and those types of like sweet victories or crushing that's defeats. why we got into it that's why we got into it we were fans yeah and then fans. we were trained into broadcast yeah and then i think the caveat is there that for me it's exactly the same it's like i want to be there when that happens and i want to get the best reaction out of them as possible and i want to set them up for success you know, to, to tell the story they want to tell or I want to tell their story, um, which is for me a bit more the case than for you where it is, yes, tell their story, but you also are more critical, right, of their performance and how to improve. But there is that other side, which is in the end effect, uh, I also want to convey that to the viewers again and I want to have them yep. have that same visceral reaction and hopefully I've done them proud. So I think it's as you say, it's about we love this job. We would go to the end of the world for it, which we have. Um, and, you know, we love the reactions of those players. And we hope that the viewers can feel the same thing. And that's what we work our butts off for. Shucks just used a hosting technique where she listened to what we said and then she recapped and put a conclusion and like broke down. And did I really do that? Yeah, I mean, thank you for saying that because people always ask, you know, how, what makes a good host and this and that. And you can't put it into words until you do it but when you sit down at it with a podcast like you could feel it happening yeah exactly my no. time to leave no that's fine <laughs> um kind of flipping back to this idea of um you know the the social media and the vile comments where do you think that that comes from i don't know almost? if you've ever talked to one of those uh people that sounded really bad uh you know, one of the people that writes the vilest comments. I mean, I've gotten like so many rape threats. Yeah. 
Well, you can't. I don't talk to them because they don't deserve it. Oh, I, I don't talk all. to them, but no, they just. No, it's I like just, a billboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but this is also the kind of thing that when people say don't feed the trolls, if someone is going to be sending me rape comments and also implying that they know where the studio is and stuff like that, that's getting reported to the police. Like, yep. don't, whatever. But there are also these people that, um, you know, they write this, they're clearly educated and they know what they're talking about and they write it in such an eloquent way but it is such a diss like they write a sentence that is you know it, you can read it and it's beautiful and doesn't have any grammatic errors or anything but it's just like slinging mud at you I'm at the end lines, of it f you yeah, yeah. no no but you know what i mean and uh, i've often gone in conversation with those people you know it's like a tweet and you're not tagged and it's like Wow, I'm really happy that the broadcast has oh. come so far and they've improved in so many ways. Too bad that the shock shows or whatever is still living in 2012 and can she stop burning people? And it's like, I stopped burning people for two years because I did it too much and I wasn't even burning them. I was telling them when they lost that they lost. It was really not that bad. You guys just were so apparently very shocked um, that someone was telling it like it is. Um, but I've often gone in conversation with some of those people. Um, and I've then had people walk up to me at events, go yeah. to shake my hand and be like, I really used to hate you, but today you were okay. Like as I'm in yeah. shaking the hand, I'm like, whoop. It's like, do you have the responsibility to change their prejudice then? Because they, why did they hate you when they hadn't even heard you? And then they've heard like, now all of a sudden they like you. Is What has fallen away and how have they listened now for the first time clearly? Uh, or is it just because they're meeting you and... What is I don't know. Maybe I just had a really good day, shocks, and all those other days I was actually just really shit at my job. That and they could were also be the 100% case. Hundred percent correct. Th that could be the case. Mm -hmm. um, I think it wasn't, but yeah. But sometimes how you talk to people, and then you could have a really good conversation with someone whose first comment was like the worst comment you've ever ever read, and then you talk to them, and then it goes like, oh, I hadn't looked at it from that way. Uh, actually, um, yeah, I respect you. I appreciate you, and I'm sorry I won't, you know write that anymore on the internet I realized I was wrong I'm just going through some things right now I'm like yeah a lot of people just the internet you know they just vent and we're easy targets in their eyes I guess but we're not I guess it just feels so bad because um I don't know about you I'm going to assume that you probably had a similar uh springboard into this industry where I was a redditor I spent a lot of time on social media, on forums. I was, like, right there in those comments. Like, I was a fangirl. Yeah. What, what the what's this team doing? Yeah. What is that draft? Yeah. Da, 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 da. Like, armchair analysts. And so then it just feels bad when you feel like your own community turns around and is, like... Yeah. But it's also part of the part of the job, right? And I think um, one of the things, and I believe we talked about this also with LEC, is that, um, and also with EULCS, throughout the years we've fallen into these, like, we're doing really well, and then there's this big thing that we're doing wrong, like the Legacy Kings narrative and yep. all that. And... Then after a while, we're like, oh, we have said that a lot, uh, but people wanted more narrative. And then you have to rebalance and find everything. We're constantly doing that. And that's also a sign that people care yep. and that things are growing. So I always take that with a pinch of salt and that this is a good thing. It just sucks when you just come off a show and you think you nailed it. And there's like, it was the worst <laughs> I've ever seen. But you need to take, you know, you need to rebalance things after that. I think it's about distilling the information. I think yeah. we have this conversation a lot that... Um the vocabulary isn't always correct, but yeah. the reaction and the emotion, like obviously something was wrong there. Yes. So even if they say X, we need to figure out, okay, so they're saying X, what's really wrong is Y. Yes. But that doesn't mean that the negative emotion itself is necessarily wrong. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And distilling that and using it as a resource. No, no, I agree. And uh, I think for as much as we always say, you know, it doesn't matter what the Reddit and Twitter say. Of course it does, because at the end of the day, they are the guys that watch our show from start to evening every single time. And even if they don't articulate it in the best manner, if they're onto something, they're probably onto something. Yep. Are we ready for Twitter questions? Jeez, 46 minutes already. I know. Yeah. It feels like it's flown. So um, I left this to the Twitter questions because people ask this, and so now I don't have to ask it, and I can By be like, on Twitter. By the way, it sprung on me completely, right? Because I was in the in the taxi here, and first, Daniel messaged You're me like, last I've night. you I built my super team, yeah. guys. Yeah, I did. I did build my super team. I hope someone asked it. Uh, but last night, uh, Didi was like, First, I didn't check my emails on the weekend, so I slept until like 11 yesterday, <laughs> which, because I had my flight after that, and um, DJ's like, did you check your email? You're on the Euphoria tomorrow, and I'm like, yeah, no problem, all good, like, yay, I'm like, I'll be tired, it's going to be a little rough, but I like being on this Euphoria. This will be an easy day. It's what Yamato and Drake goes, oh, 
easy. I just had a hour long sit down with Yamato last week for a pilot where we shot. So I know everything about them. This is going to be great. And then <laughs> Phil, the producer I get here is like, it's just you and Frosk now. <laughs> Let's do it. But it's actually been very nice. So. Oh, you don't have to. It's fine. No, it has. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Twitter question. We got Halco. And I basically just asked, what could you want to ask Shocks? I think I said the mighty Shocks. Ask her anything. So you sorry have to stop that, by the way. That I did just an impromptu don't AMA for you. Don't put me on for this pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> so um, women in esports, both players and non-players, why is there a male abundancy? And do you guys think it will change over time as esports gets more and more popular? And maybe things that are not so well known about being a woman in the esports scene. This is by Halco at Halk underscore O. Um, there's a couple of things there because something that I always jump on when people, because I think um, it's a good thing that we keep questioning why there's not more women or just more diversity in general and every facet of the esport, like as he says, both as players, as people behind the scenes. And what I always say is you should walk backstage at a show. Um, of course, I've mainly been around League of Legends, but there are so many women. Yep. There are so many women from a producer role to the makeup, to the sound engineering, to the casters uh, on air. Our refs. There are so many. Our refs, like there are so many women everywhere. So... Um, I know that we still have to ask that question because it's always good to be more, but there is a lot of representation and great representation, I think, behind the scenes, but less on the scene. And I think he makes a great point there, he or she, um, saying, is there information that's going to come out as to why that is? And I think that is very important because I think there are many reasons why there aren't pro-player women. That is not something you can just put our finger on. And of course, there is a lot of prejudice and there is a lot of problems there. But I also just think there has to be studies about the dynamic of having six 18-year-olds training day and night and then bringing a woman into the mix where you've been 18, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where you're, you're still growing and you're not, you know, you're still evolving and all of that. So it's not easy, I think. It's just, it's a really hard dynamic to get right. And I think a lot of organizations also don't want to take that risks necessarily, yep. but I think there sh we should look into that and there should be studies. And I think if you're, you know, a parent, it's already hard to say, oh yeah, you go off and be a pro player and be in a house. And but live now live in a house with 18. With, yeah, with eight guys or something. I'm sure that's not that's not an easy decision to make. And I think those factors need to be researched more. Um, and then hopefully we'll see a change. The other thing is also um, population. So if we have, what, 100 professional players, let's say, in League of Legends, and yeah. let's assume that 10%, I have no idea what the actual statistics are, like 10% of, of our player base is uh, identified as women, yeah. then out of 100 players, you know, chances are you'll maybe have two professional. Yeah, that are that master level or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah for so sure. And that also have to want to be professional. Because, yeah. I mean, that's also, there's also stigma, right? Uh, by in general, statistics, so, yeah. like, of the demographic that you're working with, it makes sense that we would only have, I think, Ramelia is the only per, uh, female who professional player yeah. who's, like, risen up and then popped back yeah. down. So I, There's also, and I think when it comes to casting and all that stuff, you know, there is the glass ceiling. The people that will think you are less than you are and you don't deserve the spot as much and the or know, the comments that are so vile, you only got it because you're a woman. It's all there. So that's also a factor. So I think all of that together is reasoning why on top of that, because I think a lot of people will say, oh, they're blaming, you know, outside factors or whatever when it's just that there isn't that many women and also there there just isn't there isn't as you say as many women that play still right and i think in league of legends we don't have exact statistics but it's not one-to-one -one, my so. mentality is always that um you know biases hit at every single level of industry and this yeah. isn't just talking about like sexism biases yeah. or, misogy um, or misogyny but i think it's much more prevalent at the bottom level yeah so think about um things like all women are support players. Mm -hmm. Like, that's pretty... Most people just kind of joke and laugh about I that. I am a support player, though. But, yeah, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But I'm an AD carry player. Yeah. Um, so we have a sample size of two, two here. And, and 50, there's 50, 50. 50. <laughs> I also play mid. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But, um, but Lux only. No, just kidding. And people will be like, oh, you know, they've, they've gone too far... Uh, in terms of like PC culture, but I, I always try to pull people up on that because, yeah. you know, support, when they say that, they are not meaning it in a compliment. And it is meant no. as support is the inferior role. 
it's easier to play. And then people will like try to twist, but like Mata, one of the greatest players, is a support player. So it's like, no, when you said it about women, that's not what you specifically meant meant it in this type of way. Yeah, exactly. And that in itself, I frankly think, is a pretty sexist remark. And most people wouldn't read it that way or then try to debate it. And I think that's part of kind of how we're in this current climate in gaming and in League of Legends specifically. Um, And so when you're a, a woman or identify as a woman and you're trying to play League of Legends, um, it can be really scary to let anyone know that you're a woman oh, because yeah. so many, if like that's such a mainstream one, now imagine the fringe comments that you're going to get. Yeah. I've been told I should get breast cancer and die. Like, it's just, uh, no, it's awful. Uh, the, and the kind of stuff you get is like, you can't even, you, it, you would never think it. Like, you don't think anyone around you would ever think it. And they write it on the internet, or even worse, with open voice comms. I They'll never play with open voice comms <laughs> in games. I never do. Uh, I just don't like it because you never know what you're going to get. Um, there was a video, I think, just the other week of someone who recorded. Uh, she was a streamer. I think she streamed Fortnite. Um, I'm not sure, but she recorded a lot of that, you know, she got. And the things people say, it's just absurd. And. Sometimes it's as a joke, yes, but if there's such an ocean of things, because I definitely have humor and I can often, you know, I can see the humor in a lot of comments that are meant as a joke, but that are a bit wrong, you know what I mean? But there's just a sea of things that are actually wrong. And um, yeah, it's sometimes hard to see the forest through the trees. Next Twitter question. Ooh, from, I can't say, Barinto Raz. It's from Raz. Um, what is her goal for a desk segment, and what has she gotten much better at to add to a post or pre-game desk? So I think what Raz wants you to do is kind of break down for the audience here. Like, when you're approaching a pre or post, yeah. how are you organizing it? What are things that you're looking at? And, like, pull back that curtain. What does a host actually do, Shaw? What does a host actually do? Um, well, the most work actually happens in the office before we do the show. Uh, we have these meetings on Tuesday, which is where most of the ideas originate, I would say. And um, the host takes a leading role in that together with the producers, I would say, um, to kind of set aside some of the topics. And then the color casters, and of course everyone has a voice, but it's mainly the color casters on the analysts that have the points they also want to talk about. Um, And I think two years ago I hit a wall, and I think all of us in Europe kind of did, because the broadcast was constantly being compared to NA and wasn't good enough. We didn't have any narrative. We didn't build any stars. We didn't do anything. And that's kind of an example of how... No personality. No one's got personality. No personality, nothing. And uh, if you look back now, you'd probably say, oh, well, that might be personality. Tell me now. Um, But we did set out two years ago to drastically change everything. And I also learned a lot more to, I know people hate it, but like narrative is important and it is important to set your goals. So when I come into a segment now, I want to make sure that if you're watching a, it should be six, seven minute segment, but sometimes there's delays and it turns into a 10 minute one or whatever. You want the viewer to come out of it and to want to watch the game and to want to watch a certain player or a certain mechanic or a certain something. And that's what you need to give them. So you need to go in with a goal of, hey, upset is in insane this guy might have been flying under the radar he had up and down and then a great ending of the split didn't get to worlds but this guy is on fire he is taking names like it's crazy if you're like yeah if i'm that excited talking about it that's also what what i want the viewers to feel when they go into that game so you make sure that you have a strong line and then it goes okay color casters do you agree or not yes oh you'd rather talk about Oduwamne okay that also makes sense Uh, let's do it but let's make sure we end on strong notes we are looking at this game because of this person or this matchup or what is going to happen to Fnatic are they going to keep falling is they when is this when they get back up and I think I've gotten a a lot better and um, like planned a lot more of that in the last two years. And I think that's why things are more powerful because I choose a lot of moments to not be as powerful. And I think we touched on this in the beginning um, because I'm fine with taking a backseat to let people talk. And often I've gotten the criticism that I don't know what's going on. And I know what's going on she better, than the anyone, game. <laughs> like better than anyone else, right? And also when it comes to the show, I, mean, I wouldn't say it. Yeah, the game for sure, but not as good as you guys, logically. But I know what beats are being hit in that segment. It's, I'm not like, you know, letting the show go and I don't have control over it. I do it on purpose. So I now in these pregames that we do have set to being really powerful in the things that I want to convey and that I want the people to take away going into the game. Cool. Um, yeah. From, oh, I can't pronounce that. A Twitter question. 
What has she learned about what she wants to do during these few months of freelancing? Hmm, interesting. So lay it down for me. What is freelancing like? Is it everything that you dreamed it would be? Well, uh, thank you for asking. I'm actually recording a YouTube video on that topic exactly because people seem to have a lot of questions also. And uh, the question I get Should a lot I take is, notes? Uh, no, it's fine. <laughs> I already made my preparations. Um, but, but people also don't understand sometimes why I'm still on LEC if I'm freelance. Well, simply put, uh, freelance doesn't mean that I can't work with the LEC anymore. It just means that I will work with them in a different capacity in my case less um so there's a set amount of weekends that i'll be on the show and those weekends i'll also be in the office preparing yep. with you guys um and this didn't come out of nowhere i talked to the team at length for a couple of months um before worlds last year and i said this is a decision that i've made and i want to do this but i also don't want to spring it on you because we're a tight-knit group and you know we've been waking the show together for instance me and one of the producers Dirk and uh, Trevor for seven years so I'm not just going to be like bye guys see ya. it's been fun uh we talked a lot about that and what I've learned there's a lot um for me it was a huge step because I like things being calculated and in order you know I like having a full-time job where I know exactly how much money I'm going to earn and exactly what I can spend exactly how many hours I'm going to work which is actually not true because um, the show often goes very long, um, but I like, you know, everything being regulated. So for me, going freelance was a huge step, something I thought about probably for a year before I did it, um, and because it's uncertainty. And for instance, uh, this week or these two weeks there, I was supposed to do a job, but it fell through due to communications and discussions and negotiations, whatnot. So I ended up not doing anything for two weeks, so thank you for inviting me. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot more uncertainty, but I do enjoy it. I like the punches that are being thrown at me. I like being able to dictate my own schedule more than everything. I like knowing, hey, I'll be on LAC this week. I have two weeks of virtually nothing. I'm going to throw myself into editing. I'm going to throw myself into my YouTube, or I'm going to start streaming, or I'm going to look into this opportunity that I never thought I would do before this like topic or I, I can't say too much because it's all up to things that I hopefully will announce very soon. Everything's just lined up. Yeah, hopefully. But, you know, I have a big desire to try other games. You know, I have a big desire to, for instance, cover Counter-Strike if I'm given the chance because next to League, that's the eSport that I love and watch the most, I would say. And I think it's a fantastic one at that. But none of that means that I would leave League. You know, it's all about just doing different things because after seven years, um, I'm not going to say it became stale, but at sometimes when it's, it's a whole year and you know, the right calendar is very, very full. It's from half of January until after all stars, which is December, right? And then it's Christmas and then your year is over. So it's very full. And we're also in the office when we're not on the show. So it really doesn't stop. And I just found myself in a place or time where I'm a different person than I was when I was starting out. I, you know, my grandma is almost a decade older than she was when I started out. So I want to have time to go see her a lot more than before and stuff like that. Um, but I do miss the LEC every time when I watch. And as a viewer, you only see how good of a freaking show that is. Do you, do you ever watch like Dracos and Trevor hosting and be like, oh God, just no. you open up Slack, you're like, no, no it's not worth no. it. I, I, the thing is, I, I think, uh, you know, people are like, oh, you know, you giving up your spot and that is true right because it's I'm making myself less valuable in a way right because I'm not always there so Didi steps up and Trevor steps up and they're great but I get some personal freedom that I wanted back you know um how much did you have to wait that I know that when I was moving over from LPL to LEC yeah. I was like you know this is actually a huge scary yes. jump because I'm just relying then on my capabilities as an analyst and a caster and yeah. no longer on my uh you're part of the furniture yeah right of my value of being like the yeah. like people look so what's happening in China and I just like stand up as the one person and be like they're winning I <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah definitely there's that huge thing of like oh I've been with EU since its inception and even before it and um, I'm like part of the crew and I'm so ingrained in it and I'm just leaving that behind massively stressful massively stressful but um, I think I've tried to keep in touch with you guys you know by giving feedback and all that and it's I mean even though I'm freelance this is so important to me and it's the most important thing all the rest is not 
as big and doesn't take up as much time as the LEC. And I also like it that way, especially for the first year. And I don't know how things are going to evolve, um, but I, I'm still here and I'm not going anywhere. In terms of, because one of the things you brought up was um, content creation. Yeah. So is there any, like, now's your chance. Here's your platform. Yeah, I mean, I said I plugged my YouTube before. Spam that content creation. I have creation. to say that there's, like, there's pressure. I, I, you know, first I'm dealing with, we all deal with the pressure of making the LEC every week. And there's, I think a lot of people underestimate how taxing it is to make a live show that you have a deadline for Thursday evening and you go for two days straight because a lot of people talk about pressure and stuff. And it's like, there's no pressure like that. That's crazy. We're crazy. We come into what office Tuesday is basically all of our meetings for like narrative and yeah. like getting a graphics request. Then like Wednesday is your craft day kind craft of in like breakouts. So yeah. you're like getting really specific. Like I need this graphic. It needs to look like and this. Meanwhile, and meanwhile, the graphics that. guys are like, okay, we need to make all this. So please make up your so mind. They're like, oh. Yeah. And then you come in Thursday. And if you have like a last minute graphic request, graphics guys are like, we have 10 graphics graphics to make and that one's a custom graphic and no 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 way it seems like we're only being negative about the, gra the graphics guys, are great the best. guys we're the problem we're the problem but yeah it is a uh, very stressful in that and um it is tough and i think you notice it as well when you do it every single week for so many years and i know a lot of people say well you're in a privileged position anyway yeah yes I have a dream job. I also worked towards that dream job and i'm lucky that i have the freedom that i could take this step Right. Um, but I'm not going to feel sad about it. Uh, you know, it was it is a huge step and I'd love to be here every week, but I need to be with my family a bit more. And uh, there are some personal priorities that I need to set for myself. So with. Um, oh, content creation. YouTube.com. <laughs> I was about to just be like, how can I navigate back uh, to our YouTube? slash shocks. The point that I was trying to make is that there's a lot of pressure. You have that. Sh now I have the show. Right. And now. Every day there's people, where's the next video? When's the next stream? I'm like, I have insomnia. I didn't sleep. I cannot stream <laughs> right now, but I'd love to. So there's a lot of pressure that comes with it, but I like it. And there's a lot of creativity. I'm back to editing, which I love. And um, I'm pretty crap right now. It is hard. There's a lot to you do. You need some After Effects but assistance. I like, yeah, I do need some <laughs> After Effects. Um, but it's nice to have time for these different things and learn different things. What is the, the one thing, like the biggest difference that you've noticed between being freelance? Just like... I can eat cereal now every morning because I don't have to go into the office or no, like no, something no, no. as basic I, as that. I think I can uh, un. Um, how do you say that? I can turn it off easier. Oh. Because if like now there were two weeks and I just went, you know, that to Cologne amazing. for a week, and it was like, I it's easier because you're not always on, but you're still like it's kind of a. I don't know, poisoned gift because I'm on for all of these other things. So I'm constantly talking to build these people about, oh, is this a job that I can do? Like, how much am I getting paid? Like, what's working? Where do I have to travel? All that stuff. Don't start to me about German bureaucracy as well. Um, but that has been, I'm fine just then leaving my Twitter and everything for a day or two or three. And then after two days, I'll feel really guilty that I haven't posted anything. Do you but, think you uh, go yeah. mainstream and be like an ambassador for gaming? Or do you want to go, if you ever did go mainstream, be like, I can now take these skills and actually be like a, a football commentator. Oh, wait, I'd hope so. Uh, I do love football, but I think I have evolved from soccer, if there's any American football. European football, football. God damn it. Um, and I, I mean, I hope the things I've learned would transfer to that. Um, and I think they would. But I have to say that when I started out, I actually did journalism because I wanted to be a sports reporter because I loved football uh, and cycling also and tennis. Uh, you love football. cycling? It's, I know people think it's oh, really boring. Be my best friend. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, I could watch every oh. Tour de France. Uh, yes, Italia, I don't be know. my yeah, best every friend. Every leg and just, oh, mountain, oh, time trial. Yes, <laughs> I'll watch. Um, I love that stuff. I just love everything of competition. And I do have to say that when I started out, it was like my goal was like, oh, I want to go back to that. And that's what I want to do. Now, no. I mean, not necessarily. I love our world. I love esports. Um, I love this and I don't necessarily because people always think, oh, is that then the next step? But for me, it doesn't have to be. You don't want esports to go mainstream? Um, I think we sometimes think I've about that really too much. I really phrased that question very poorly. I think sometimes you did. Yeah. Uh, sometimes <laughs> we think about that too much. It's, it's the idea of everyone wants mainstream, like everything good that comes with mainstream. Yeah. But I think that there is a very real conversation and I know that you feel strongly about it. I feel strongly where we don't want esports to be jammed into the cookie cutter of like no. tonight on NFL. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, I think there's, there's just that whole complex of, I feel like in the last years it has shifted from the conversation of we're esports and we want to be sports to 
traditional sports and broadcasting is looking towards esports in a way because the numbers that are peeing, peeing, <laughs> being put up. Can we cut that out? I've drank a lot of water, <laughs> so please. Are absolutely huge. Wow, I'm making a good point, and then I make such a flub. Um, um, to a movement where I've definitely been of this instance for a long time that I want all the good, as you say, like I want things to be professional in every Stability, which way. Stability, uh, sponsorship, uh, money. <laughs> money, uh, even like surrounding the team with like... Um, infrastructure. Yeah, infrastructure, all that, yes. But I don't think we need to even be in the Olympics and all the things that are good with that would be great, you know, easier to get visas for players, all that, yes, 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 yes. But that whole discussion of... Should it be sports? No, it's esports. And that is fine. We are huge. We are big. We are our own ecosystem. Um, you know, it's exciting. It's exhilarating. More and more people watch it, and we don't need to stamp it as such. But it would be nice if it became easier, you know, for our players to travel around the world and do their jobs, for sure. But it's very nuanced, of course. Yeah. Okay, and oh. with that, we have come to the very end. Can you please ask me about my super team? You, I mean, I got spammed on Twitter so much because Didi was like, Is your super team all 5G team members? No, it isn't. Okay, wait, okay. Wonder. Okay, that's... And I thought about this. That's your G2 member. You're going to burn it on Wonder. No, there's another one. I get two. Oh, there's two other ones. So you all, I only get two? Well, I it, can change one. It's supposed to be one from each team. Ah, I didn't read that tweet very well. See, that makes okay. it much harder. Well, then, uh, the thing that I've seen people do is they interchange uh, Kaboshar for Wonder. Okay, Cabo. Because of that, no, I'm going to stick okay, with Wonder. Because um, I think Wonder is so good at self-made. Okay. Uh, because... I don't know I'm why I'm counting here, but... Not meaning... Yeah, there's five. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm not saying that you know, SK wouldn't be where they are without him, but SK wouldn't be where they are without him. You're saying he's the diamond in the rough. He's crazy. He's so good. Um, caps, because I think there's no argument to be made. And then it was going to be perks. Ooh, over upset. Yeah, but it, I had upset first, and then I thought, perks has impressed me, but um, I think upset actually should be there as well because you've just impressed me over a longer amount of time and I'm definitely I have the goggles on of like perks destroyed some people in lane last recency week bias week perks <laughs> wow but over the longevity and like the way he's grown and where his ceiling is upset and then uh I thought actually ignore um and a bit recency bias but also he's been extremely extremely solid so in we've the last got couple of weeks uh solo laners from g2 jungler from sk and then bot lane from shalka yeah. no fear yeah that okay. makes sense I'm going to go... No splice players. I mean, so you're always... Yeah. I'm going to go Cabo, Xersei, Caps, Upset, and uh, Mithy. Mithy. Then Mithy. I think I got all players yeah. from the... I actually think Gorilla's having a slump right now. And I tried to do it where, because I took Upset, I couldn't take Ignar. Yeah. So I was like, who's the third best support? And I can't take Mickey because I took Caps. Boom. That means it's Mythy, It's boys. the inverse problem from what we usually have when we have to make our tops. Because usually it's like, oh, I know one and two, but what the hell is three and four? This time it's like, oh, I, there's five people I could put in each of these positions. Or maybe that's a bit optimistic. But there's a lot of players playing very, very well right now that we haven't even mentioned. So, yeah. And with that, I think we have survived Euphoria Episode 5. Is this where I do my sign-offs for all of my SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify... And YouTube, check for Am I supposed the, to help you out? <laughs> check for the timestamps in the description. This is Shox, and I'll see you guys next week.